Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You don't have to look far in the Bible to find the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Almost anywhere in the New Testament you will find reference to it. And throughout the Old Testament you find many symbols pointing toward that. Even as we mentioned last week regarding the Passover. But in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives us a dissertation on the resurrection of Christ. And it is known as the resurrection chapter. But I want to begin reading just the first few verses and then direct our attention to resurrection revelations that God gave to us. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, and then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. What happened in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is unprecedented in human history. There's never been an event that even comes close to it. And the impact that it had on the individuals that saw it, as Paul recorded here, the many that saw it, In just a span of a few hundred years, a small band of really insignificant believers succeeded in turning an entire empire upside down. It has been said they faced the tyrant's brandished steel, the lion's gory mane, the fires of a thousand deaths, and because they were utterly convinced that like their master, they would one day rise from the grave in glorified, resurrected bodies, they were willing to endure all those things. The bones of Muhammad are in Medina. The bones of Confucius are in Shantung. The cremated bones of Buddha are in Nepal, and thousands pay their respects and do their pilgrimages to those tombs which contain the bones or the remains of those that they follow. But in Jerusalem, there is a cave cut into a rock. 
It is the tomb of Jesus, and it is empty. It is empty and has remained empty since he rose from the dead, and he now sits at the right hand of the Father. The resurrection is the distinguishing mark of Christianity. Without the resurrection, Paul said in this chapter, our faith would be vain. Our faith would be useless. Because it would be just like another man that lived and died. But Jesus Christ rose victorious from the dead. And in so doing, he revealed a number of things. And we want to look at some of the revelations that the resurrection gives to us. Revelations about Jesus Christ, revelations about Satan, and then revelations for us. Revelations about Jesus Christ. Number one, it reveals to us and shows to us clearly that He is God. He is not just a a man, He is God. And in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, who is, who was, and who is to come. He says that in verse 8 of Revelation chapter 1. In verse 17 of the same chapter, John wrote, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying unto me, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. So again, quoting verse 8, Alpha and Omega. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. So he said, I am Alpha and Omega, and he personally identified that it wasn't just talking about God the Father, he says, I am he who was dead and is alive again. Jesus Christ is God. And anyone that denies he is God is a false teacher, is an apostate, and the resurrection proves that he is God. It also reveals about Jesus Christ that He alone is Lord and Master of all. In Matthew 28, following what we read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus then gave the exhortation to the disciples, and He he said, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. And he said, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end. But he begins that by saying, All authority is given unto me. He proved that all authority was his when he rose from the dead. He proved He conquers everything. He is the Master of all. He is the Lord of all. An interesting verse in Acts chapter 17 and verse 31. In in ministering, they declared the truth of God 
And they said, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, and he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. He said, God has given authority to judge all men unto one man, and he shows who has that authority. It's the one that he raised from the dead. Again, the resurrection of Jesus Christ shows that he alone is Lord. He has all power. He will judge the whole world. But it also shows to us that he alone is the Savior. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 gives a prophecy immediately following sin that God would send one born of a woman and he would bruise the serpent's head. And Jesus Christ did that in the resurrection. It is through his rising again that he conquered so that we read in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that Christ was raised from the dead, you will have eternal life. Again, the resurrection alone proves that He is the Savior. He alone forgives sins. He alone can be the Savior. But it also proves that He is unstoppable. In Matthew 26 and verse 61, He said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So He was prophesying what He was going to do. In Mark chapter 8 and throughout the other Gospels, he promised that he would suffer and that he would rise again after three days. They they couldn't comprehend it. They didn't believe it. Peter rebuked him for it. But then when he rose again, as we read earlier, the angel said, he's not here. He's risen As he said, Satan tried to do everything he could to stop the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he was unstoppable. I love Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15 where it talks about Christ and that he paid the penalty on the cross And it says, having taken out of the way our sin, being nailed to the cross, and in so doing, verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, that shows he has all power, he is Lord of all, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus Christ made a public spectacle of it. We read about it in 1 Corinthians 15. He rose from the dead. He appeared to the women. He appeared to the disciples. He appeared to 500 other individuals and more than that. And, and it, was like, it was like he was, in, in a way only God can do, strutting his stuff and saying, I am unstoppable. 
There have been many people throughout history that have said, I am the greatest, and demanded other people to worship them. Jesus Christ alone is the greatest. Jesus Christ is unstoppable. And we sang the song, Death Could Not Hold Its Prey. He tore the bars away. I mean, that's what I love about about Easter and the resurrection. It's, it's not like he just kind of squeaked out a victory and nobody noticed it. He, he won triumphantly. And, and he made a public display of it. And he put it in Satan's face that I am unstoppable. So there are other revelations about Jesus Christ, but we also notice some revelations about Satan. First of all, you notice that falsehood is his nature. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, it says, Jesus rebuked the people and said, you are of your father the devil. He is a liar from the beginning. Well, he proves his, his um, colors in this in Matthew 28 that we read the first part of the chapters. But in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 13, they, they bribed the soldiers telling them to tell the people that his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. So they had no explanation for the resurrection. It was unstoppable. So Satan immediately comes with a lie and says, Hey, we're giving you this money, soldiers. You have to say this. Tell them that we fell asleep. They came and stole his body. And if this comes to the ruling authorities, don't worry. It's all taken care of. You won't be in trouble, all right? So immediately, they set up this lie. And Satan had a plan that would discredit the resurrection, but his plan failed miserably. They did tell the lie. But if that had been true, all of this of Christianity could have been stopped right then and there If Jesus hadn't risen, if they would have said, see, here's his body, here's his bones. But throughout all of history since that day, they cannot prove that. And Satan's plan has failed miserably. And it reveals to us that Satan is a defeated foe. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Paul went on and he he said in verse 54, O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Satan's nature is falsehood. He tells lies. He's still actively telling lies. But because of the resurrection, we know 
that all Satan's lies and all Satan's plans will be exposed and will fail because he is already a conquered and defeated foe. But I want to turn our focus to what the resurrection reveals to us. Number one, it reveals God's word is true. I can trust it. It didn't make sense. Jesus said, you destroy this temple and in three days I will rebuild it. It didn't make sense. I'm going to suffer many things, but after three days I will rise again. But he fulfilled it. And God's word is true and God will fulfill everything he has promised in his word. There are things that have not yet been fulfilled. But you can trust God's Word that what He has promised, He will do. And the resurrection is proof of that. The resurrection also reminds us in His crucifixion and His resurrection that my sin is horrible. It sent Christ to the cross. Isaiah said, he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my sin was laid upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed from the sickness of our sin. And as you study and as you reflect on the cross of Christ... And realize it wasn't Roman soldiers that crucified him. It wasn't the Jewish leaders that crucified him. It was our sin. It was my sin. And, and it's easy for us to get smug and think, well, I'm not as bad as a lot of people. But our pride and our arrogance and our rebellion and our selfishness, all of those things led to this. And He willingly bore our sin. 1 Peter says, He bore my sin in His body on the cross. It was for me that He died. And that brings us to another revelation. I am loved. Christ died and rose again for me. John 14 says, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. But it wasn't for his friends that Christ laid down his life. He died for us while we were yet in our sin. We were still enemies. And he willingly died for us as his enemies. And, and it wasn't just God loved the world. But God, as only God can, loves you individually. It was you that He was willing to take your place. He had you in mind. And there is no greater love than this, that I am loved of God. But it also brings us to realize in Hebrews chapter 7, It says that Christ is able to save to the uttermost them that come to Him, and He ever lives to make intercession for the saints. 
The resurrection reminds us that we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. You have someone who is pleading your case. There there may be many of you here this morning that would honestly say, you know, I don't know that I've ever really felt that I've had anyone really, really for me throughout my life. That's really in my corner, that's really for me through thick or thin. You might say, I don't know that I've ever really felt that way. If you could hear for one minute Jesus Christ praying for you, that would change completely. You know, it's always a blessing when you hear someone praying for you. But do you understand today Jesus Christ lives and He is praying specifically for you. He knows every detail about your life and He is now interceding for you. I mean... To me, that is overwhelming. It's, it's enough that He died for me to forgive my sins and promise me heaven. But now He is praying. He is advocating before the Father on my behalf. I mean, don't believe the devil's lie that, well, yeah, He may be for other people, but He's not for me. No, He, he knows you And it is your name that He is going and He ever lives to make intercession for you. Amazing love. How can it be? Because of the resurrection, I also need not fear death. The sting of death is removed. In the last four years, three years, whatever it is, in the last few years, it has been brought to the forefront how fearful mankind is of death. The great extent that we've gone, and, and by nature, we ought to be afraid of death apart from Jesus Christ, but we need not fear death. To be absent from the body to believers is to be present with the Lord. And we rejoice in that. That we don't know exactly how we may depart from this life, but we know by faith in Jesus Christ, He wrote these things unto us, that we may know that we have everlasting life. It's not a hope so, not a maybe so. We can know the minute I breathe my last breath here as a believer in Christ, I will be in the presence of God. And He removes the fear of death. So we need not fear death. The resurrection also reveals in 1 Corinthians 15, after He says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory, Through our Lord Jesus Christ, he then says, Therefore, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of the victory in Christ, 
we should be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know that your labor is not in vain in Christ. Because He lives, He sees everything. He sees a cup of cold water given in His name. He sees a good deed given in His name. He sees everything. He is alive. He sees everything. And someday He will reward it. That's why Paul said, don't quit. Your labor is not in vain. He's alive. He notices. And He sees. And He will reward it. So our labor is not in vain Because of the resurrection. But we also see from the resurrection that our future is bright. Christ is coming again. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. And there's a lot in this world that can cause troubling. There is a lot of injustice. There is a lot of unexplainable events from our perspective. There's a lot of sadness and sorrow. But he said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I have gone to prepare a place for you. And he said, if I have gone, since I have gone to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's a bright future. When Jesus then ascended in Acts chapter 1, it says that He went up into heaven and the disciples stood there looking up and the angel said, why, why are you looking up into heaven? This same Jesus that departed from you is coming again. And He will take you to be with Him. Because He lives, He is coming again. Because He lives, we can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. I'm sure I've shared it before, but I love the account. John Quincy Adams was 80 years old and a friend said, How is John Quincy Adams today? He replied, John Quincy Adams himself is very well, thank you. But the house he lives in is sadly dilapidated. It's tottering on its foundations. The walls are badly shattered and the roof is worn. The building trembles with every wind. I think that John Quincy Adams will have to move out of it before long, but he himself is very well. And indeed, that's what happens in life. Our body becomes very dilapidated. The roof is not what it used to be, and there's coming a day that we're going to move out of this body. But he said, John Quincy Adams is very well. It is well with my soul. A number of years ago, a bright young girl, 15 years old, was in a severe accident. 
paralyzed on one side and nearly blind, she heard the family doctor say to her parents as they stood by the bedside, she has seen her best days, poor child. She immediately responded, no doctor, she exclaimed. My best days are yet to come when I see the king in his beauty. That's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can have that confidence. And that is why we rejoice. We rejoice with joy unspeakable. Jesus is alive. Satan is defeated. By faith we are secure in Christ. The victory is won. Christ is coming. And all is well. That's the message that we rejoice in. And indeed, because He lives, we can face tomorrow. That's why we ought to celebrate. And we invite you to celebrate as we sing together the song, Because He Lives. And then as the choir comes and shares some songs of celebration, rejoice at what the resurrection reveals to us. Thank <clears throat>